Well, I got him. My mouth is an Uzi. And I shot him with a hundred surprise. With a design to make him rewind. This time I draw the line. He's mine. Just chill. Don't nobody touch him. Cause I'ma get ill. The boy's only have a three dollar bill. And this time I shoot to kill. Just like a sucker you took. What is up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, who's currently sponsored by Connexus Credit Union. I'm Mitch, and I'm one of your regular hosts that you hear every week, and I will be joined shortly by my co-hosts, Kyle and Boozy, and this week's special guest, Tyler Baptist. Tyler is the owner and operator of Videonomicon, a cult film preservation company that specializes in releasing strange, obscure, or forgotten titles through VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. Videonomicon has released titles like Three Dead Trick-or-Treaters, Ogroff, Mad Mutilator, Science Crazed, and the cult hit Ryan's Babe, which was highlighted as one of the absolute best of the worst movies on the famous YouTube channel Red Letter Media. Videonomicon will also be releasing a special limited edition VHS release of the last Video Star collection in collaboration with the Lobby DVD shop out of Edmonton, Alberta. This collection is limited to 50 copies, so be sure to visit videonomicon.com or check them out on Facebook to get your, yourself a copy while supplies last. We were thrilled to be able to welcome Tyler on for this particular episode. We are all fortunate enough to know some genuine horror fans who can offer up unique perspectives on this genre. Tyler is one of the most hardcore horror fans that I know personally, and he was the first and only person who I thought of when it came to preparing for this episode in particular. We'll be back next week to conclude our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective with discussions on Wes Craven's new Nightmare, Freddy vs. Jason, and the 2011 remake, but this time we're going to do it alone. Kyle, Boozy, and myself will offer our final thoughts in the franchise as a whole, as well as share our definitive ranking list of the films from our least favorite to favorite. So if you're interested in sharing your rankings with us or have any Nightmare on Elm Street thoughts that you may want to share with us, you can email us at theterrortable at gmail.com. This is something that we don't normally do on the show, but we felt like it was something that we wanted to do this week. Our friends in the punk band Swayze released their five-song EP titled Saint Angry, and it is now available on Swayze's Bandcamp page for a pay-what-you-want price, but you can also stream it on uh, stream the whole EP on Spotify, Apple Music, or other streaming services. All of the artwork was done by our friend, listener, and previous guest of the show, and the drummer of the band, Jesse Sawitzki, otherwise known as Jambi. These guys worked really hard on this EP, and if you're a fan of fast-paced pop-punk music, I highly encourage you to stick around until the, after the end credits of this episode to hear a clip of their title track song, Saint Angry. But for now, let's just turn up the sensitivity on your hearing aid and get pregnant with this week's episode of The Terror Table. And the nightmare continues. The terror table is back. Welcome to the show, Tyler Baptist. How are you doing, man? Not too bad. Yourself? I'm doing good. Yeah, we're doing. I'm doing really well. This voice you're hearing is Mitch, and we have all of our hosts here today. Who else we got here? You got Kyle. You gotta say something. You can't wave. (laughs) (laughs) Boozy's waving over Skype. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we're welcoming our friend Tyler Baptist. You've been on the show. I think Twice. this will be your yeah. This will be your third time now. So you, yeah. I think the you've been on for all of our Saskatoon or a couple of Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival lineup episodes. Yeah, uh, and we also talked about Angst with you, the German film. That was the first um, time I was on. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. But you are uh, 
So let's first off, I want to lead off talking about Videonomicon. What has Videonomicon been up to? That is uh, your cult preservation company, cult film preservation company. Yep. Oh, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Uh, what, what do you got? What do you got going on? Sorry. Yeah, we got a couple, uh, two new VHS releases coming out. One we haven't announced yet, which we'll probably announce uh, shortly after the uh, last video store collection comes out on the 26th. So uh, we're doing that in conjunction with the uh, Lobby DVD shop in Edmonton, which is an amazing video store. And uh, so, yeah, they had a ton of short films that were shot there, uh, starring Kevin Martin, who's the the owner of the Lobby Uh directed by Cody Kennedy and uh, Tim Rutherford. And they did uh, a bunch of short films and then a, a web series that they had originally pitched as a TV series, but they just ended up doing a web series, which features like the likes of Astron six and Tristan Risk. And uh, yeah, they're great. They're awesome. That's, lots of, that's awesome. Lots of, so is it going to be all like short films all on VHS tapes? Yeah, it's the entire collection. So there's uh, including the TV show, there's six episodes. It's a six-part uh, web series, and then uh, there's three other short films on there, or four. So it's about 60 minutes of uh, content, and uh, they're all yeah, they're all super entertaining. That's awesome. Yeah, we've talked about the lobby multiple times on the show recently, especially since our friend uh, Mitch Danger Zone Clark, the former UFC fighter, came on the show. Oh, nice. Uh, he he lives in uh, he lives in Edmonton, and he's a frequent uh, frequent. Cl- yeah, he goes to the lobby constantly. And uh, always talks about Kevin and all the amazing. I've been to that shop as well, and it's amazing. So that's such a cool uh, team up that you've got going on with them, and I can't wait to see what you got, what you come out with. Yeah, when, for sure. When's that? When's that being released? On uh, May twenty sixth. Awesome. So that's coming right up. Yeah. Wicked. Cool. And uh, so, and same with uh, what, what have you been up to through all of this COVID stuff? So you're the lead singer of a local band, Soulmates, like yep. a local Saskatoon band. What have you guys been up to through all of this? Obviously not much, eh? Not much, no. <laughs> uh, everybody's been super busy, so we actually haven't even uh, talked too much uh, in the last little while. Because uh, Pat's in Regina, and and yeah, I've been, I've been working from home and like have been working full time and overtime and have been just like super busy still with work. So I haven't had like any downtime in this at all. Yeah. You've been, you've been able to work from home and everything continue your normal routine just from home. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. took a computer home and they just shipped me drives and yeah, I've been busy. Well, that's good. Have you, uh, have you had a chance to check anything out recently? Any recommendations you can offer to our listeners? Um, I actually haven't watched a single new movie since I've been in uh, self isolation. I've been catching up on my home collection that's Which, better. Uh, and yeah, what a I have like it is. still over 200 movies probably on watch. So, yeah. So what you guys can't see is we're so we're recording this over Skype. We can see Tyler's recording from what looks like a, a VHS DVD yeah. Blu-ray those, Sanctuary. Those two are just VHS. Oh wow! Oh, uh, so you're speaking with Kyle kind of sure. Yeah, and then I also have a filing cabinet. Like I took the I have um, special holders that puts the covers. And the disc in so I can store the cases elsewhere because obviously cases take up so much space. So I have like a filing cabinet full of discs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So what what have been what are what are a couple highlights you can recommend? Um I've actually been on going through my action movies lately, because I had like just basically going through my VHS and uh what did I watch recently that was actually pretty good? Uh Redline with Chad McQueen and Michael Madsen. Uh, yeah. Ooh, Michael Madsen. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, because Chad McQueen and Michael Madsen look very similar, so and Michael Madsen actually doesn't show up until like the 
hour and like 10 minute mark in the movie. And the whole time I thought Chad McQueen was actually Michael Madsen while I was watching this. I was like, no, wait a second. <laughs> Holy shit. Wait a minute. I'm seeing double four. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, Another you you got a you've you have been getting multiple shout outs through this whole nightmare series. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Cut. What's that? Sorry. For Tubi. Yeah, for Tubi. Oh. Shout out! Shout out Tubi. Shout out, uh, shout out Tubi. Yeah. Shout so, out Tubi. I like to think that me and me and Tyler are the original Tubi Tubi guys, and you it's nice to know that. Stands. Yeah, it's nice Tubi to know rules. that. Yeah, it's we nice to know the words Tubi getting out. Code or sponsorship at this point. Like, come on. <laughs> there is no. Man, you do not need a code for Tubi. It's all free. Yeah, the code's already I don't there. Know. There's got to be some like back end like department. Yeah, yeah can we have the upgrade for, version? Tubi. There is no Tubi adult section. The Tubi Every, adult section. Everyone gets the special edition version of Tubi. <laughs> you get everything for free. It's awesome. No, there's a um, version. It's called network? Tubi without the ads. <laughs> no, that's, that's Tubi just with that's the better a better search function. Yeah, that's their, true. Their search function on like the PlayStation app sucks. Yeah, it's pretty bad. There's a lot of those apps that have like even Amazon Primes is terrible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so ha- have you checked anything on Tubi recently? I've been catching up on because uh, they have a ton of, and I think I've told you about the, these movies before. They have a ton of PM Entertainment movies, yeah. which was this '90s like direct-to-video action company. Like they're like canon, but in my opinion, much more entertaining because uh, there's like just car flips everywhere, and so they have like they have 15 or 20. PM flicks on there, so I've been catching up on those, and they're all entertaining. Check out Recoil with Gary Daniels; it's awesome. Ooh, Recoil, Recoil, yeah, awesome. All right, well then let's uh, let's get moving on with the show. We'll get uh, all the stuff out that we've been checking out over the last week since the last episode, and then we'll get on with our nightmare feature where we'll talk about the Dream Child. So, uh, who wants to go first? Kyle, have you checked anything out this week? Nope. I'm back at it, having nothing to contribute. Um, if the listeners at home can't see us, but uh, I'm in a room that is, well, it's my good old same room. No Pokemon poster, unfortunately. Um, and it's empty as hell. So I spent the whole week kind of just like uh, renovating and painting this room. Uh, therefore, I didn't watch anything on Tubi. I didn't watch anything on Vivo. <laughs> I didn't watch anything on YouTube. That's not true, actually. I watched a lot of YouTube. Well, but, we were we were talking before we started recording. It looks like you are preparing to launch your OnlyFans page. Yeah, honestly, you're <laughs> right. Yeah, my dog's about to pop it at any moment now. Um, <laughs> okay, anything, well, anything could happen. I'll put it you, that way. You, at least you watched a couple Nightmare movies. You can jump in then, but uh, <laughs> oh, Boozy. I definitely Nightmare <laughs> Cool. Boozy, what have you been up to? Uh, here, let me get my list out here. Uh, first off, I watched Blood Quantum, finally. Okay, Blood Quantum, directed by Jeff Barnaby. What did you think? It was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, a, way more violent than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's like, a br- brutally violent there's movie. Some, there's some crazy shit at the start. My only thing is, and this isn't even a like a knock against the movie, is just the first like 20 minutes before uh, it kind of moves ahead, I feel like that could have been its own like really well-done movie just with that alone. Yeah, but this is clearly the story he wanted to tell. <laughs> like, I know he he's been wanting to make this zombie movie ever since he was a kid, so it's it's pretty right. exciting that he finally got to make it. And uh, Je- or uh, Tyler, have you seen Blood Quantum yet? I haven't yet. I got a uh, sign back up for Crave after I yeah. lapsed my uh, account after Twin Peaks 
was done. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's uh, it's something. I, I'm very curious to know what you think about it because I know Scott Scott was one who I heard yeah. was very passionate about it, and then he got me to check it out. Now I'm in love with it. Um, and I like, yeah, so uh, I've seen rhymes free on Google, so uh, which is great too. So, yeah, I watched that after I watched Blood Quantum because I liked it so much and it was so good. But yeah, yeah boozy, boozy. That was, boozy. Did you so, feel like the first twenty minutes? Um, even though if they're like it could have been its own contained story, did it still lead into the rest of the film fairly well? Or do you oh think yeah, it was sort of okay? Uh, it was just I think it had a super interesting story to tell right at the start, and I understand that he had his own vision for it. Like I wanted more of it. That's not a knock against it to want more from that world. I guess yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it like you like you said, once the violent, I know that's a. I've been reading lots because it seems it seems like it's not translating as well in the U S and I'm not sure if it's either it's not translating or they're just, I, I, it seems like the people that I know from the U S aren't enjoying it as much. And I don't know what that could mean if it's just, you know, it's very regional for us and um, mm-hmm. it kind of hits very close. To, it's very hits very close to home for all of us here. Um, not specifically, but we were well, it pretty feels well like our backyard for like this, this, this setting of this movie. Yeah, and it's a really, it's obviously, it's an incredible concept where it's a zombie apocalypse that's only affecting the the white population, and it's a pretty big role reversal, but I think that there's so much more to it than just the role reversal, and I think a lot of people are only, gra- they're only catching the role reversal, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of actual other politics at play that are spliced in throughout that movie as well, that, um, that comments on a lot of different things that we have to deal with in Saskatchewan, and uh, across Canada in general. Yeah, and like just like you said though, that it, it like once the violence kicks in, it's uh it's super fucking violent, <laughs> and it's pretty jarring. What else have you checked out? Are you talking to me? Yep. <laughs> oh, aren't we <laughs> going around? Like, well, you you tell me one, you do one, and then you pass it off, and then this one you're telling me to do more than one. Do you want me to talk about one? Sure. We have a conflict, everyone. We have a conflict. Yep. Uh, I checked out this one will be quick because I'll pretty much just mirror everything that Greg said last week. Our our guest of last week's episode, Greg Thomas of the band. And he recommended in his top five favorite lesser discussed black and white films. I checked out them from 1954. Uh, have you seen them, Tyler? Obviously. I actually haven't yet. That's the killer ant movie, right? Giant. Ants. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. This I've always movie. seen clips from it, but I've never seen the whole thing. Yeah, so pretty much second everything Greg said, this movie is fucking wild, and it holds up so well, but I can definitely, it's a radioactive ant movie, um, you can definitely see the inspiration that it had on movies like Alien and Aliens, and um, it, like he, he he mentioned in that episode that there's almost an entire scene that was lifted for Aliens, and it's actually pretty amazing how it's almost shot for shot and it's, it, hmm. it's not, it's not even like in a stolen way. It's that he was cl- Cameron was clearly paying homage to this. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's pretty awesome. And the effects work still hold up so well. Um, also, I remember the moment we ended that episode with Greg, I remember talking to when we had Joe Dante here in Saskatoon, he had cited them as one of the main inspirations for matinee, which makes total yeah. sense. Uh, so yeah, once again, that is them from 1954. I can, pretty much double up on what Greg said and say that that I, w- I would say that's like essential viewing. If you're a fan of black and white movies, there's, there's a pretty good chance you're going to enjoy that one. Uh, it's just a really a good, pulpy, fun time. Table, if you're a fan of the terror table, I think last week's episode is essential listening. Cause that was True. a good one. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to the episode with Greg, definitely go back and check that out. Agreed. 
Uh, Excellent plug, Kyle. Excellent plug. Yeah, good (laughs) work. It's it's the least I could do. All right, Boozy, back to you. Let's just, uh, you go, and then I'll go, then you go. Okay. And then you go, and then he goes. Yes. Got a feeling for your space, Kyle. (laughs) Um, I have so much space right behind. I believe it's 79's Don't Go in the House. Never heard of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like me. Disco Inferno. Yeah, (laughs) it is a very cool movie. Um, it it reminds me a lot. It's like Psycho and Maniac kind of put together. I, I, which I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's basically a guy who's a he's a pyromaniac, and his mom dies, so he hears voices and starts killing women. There's a there's a photo that I found wow. as soon as I looked it up and it yeah it looks like it's directly from Psycho but obviously this looks like a little bit more of a campy take. Yeah, it's super but, fun though and extremely violent. But the uh, the lead the killer in it is uh, Dan uh, Grimaldi from The Sopranos. Oh, oh wow! And he's insane. Like he goes buck wild in this movie. He goes off. Oh, he does. Oh, it's great. And if you like disco, you hear a lot of disco music. Yeah, man. Awesome. So that's Don't Go in the House from 1979. You don't get a lot of disco and horror, do you? So that's cool. Yeah. Great pick. Great pick. And uh, this will be the last uh, the last plug for our last episode. Uh, once again, after that last episode, I was I felt the need to check out or revisit Ty West's The Innkeepers from 2011. Um, after Greg shared his story about working at the real life Yankee Peddler Inn that the film was based off of and is filmed in. Uh, so I haven't seen this film since it actually, I think, I haven't seen it since it came out, but I, I enjoyed it when it came out. I remember it being not Ty West's best movie, but not his worst. And I'm pretty much feeling the exact same way. But this is just a really, a really tight little ghost story. And it's worth, it's definitely worth a watch if you're into ghost stories in general. And I think that this is, it's low budget horror done right. Like it definitely feels like it's a, it doesn't, does not feel like a low budget horror movie, but it's a. Single location, two strong performances. You have Sarah Paxton uh, from Aquamarine and uh, Cheap Thrills. And Darcy's Wildlife. Yes. I really like Sarah Paxton. I think she, like, I want to see her do more roles like this. Like, she was really great in Cheap Thrills. um, And she was also good in Shark Night 3D, which we watched last (laughs) year. Uh, But yeah, you you can see the bigger inspirations littered throughout this movie, like specifically Poltergeist. Like you can tell Ty West was like, I want to make my Poltergeist. But in natural Ty West fashion, he's like, I'm going to make it like real indie, though. And that's totally what he did. And um, a highlight for me in that film, though, is to I just want to say when you guys do check it out, there's a scene where Sarah Paxton and Pat Healy go to the basement. This isn't a spoiler. It's just. Pat Healy, I've been singing his praises for years on this podcast. I really enjoy him. I I think he's a great actor. And I think this is actually one of his strongest performances in that one scene. Um, He just conveys true terror in one specific contained scene. And it's it's so good. And I got so wrapped up in it. And it made the whole... It's a scare sequence. And I feel like it made the whole scare sequence so much better having someone of that caliber acting out though that dialogue and everything and he he plays a skeptic he's not scared of ghosts or anything like that but then you have him you're you're watching his lips it's it's little subtle things like his lips quivering and his eye his eyes tearing up but it's it's so subtle and i think one scene that i would compare it to is the tent scene in willow creek uh which is another movie that just like it relies it relies it relies heavily on just like watching 
it, the actors have to sell that scene in order for it to work. And I think uh, Pat Healy kills it in that scene. And oh, man, I don't know. I just I really enjoyed this movie on a rewatch. And I just think it's a really tight, tight little ghost story. I just only my only complaint is that I wish now knowing all of Greg's stories that, you know, he could have been there. You know, it, it, he left on tour. What it was like a year out a year before this started filming. If he would have been there, he could have shared stories about the blood room or like all the other crazy things that aren't even necessarily supernatural that could have added some extra spice into that story. And uh, it's just such a bizarre place and uh it's it's a great little movie i'd definitely recommend that one boozy do you got anything else i have one more thing and it's just i i'm still watching the second season of what we do in the shadows uh, man I just, it's i just watched the super owl episode oh god it's so good so, oh it's such a funny show Dude, it gets, uh, yeah, I've been trying to hold off because I'm keeping up with, that's like one of the only shows that I've watched every Friday when it airs, I'm watching it and it's, <laughs> it's somehow getting better every week. And like the one that aired last week, uh, like on this previous Friday, I can't wait for you to see it, but it's so fucking funny. It's so good. I just love that they, they're trying to adapt to living with other people and it just doesn't work. Like they, they screw up their, their neighbor by accident. They override his brain. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you seen? I can't remember if that episode was before or after the Colin special. There's a Colin special. Is there? No, there's I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, yeah. There's a whole episode dedicated to Colin Robinson, and it's fucking incredible. This show is great. Have you watched any of the What We Do in the Shadows TV show yet, Tyler? I haven't. I've only seen the movie, but I haven't checked out the show yet. Did, were you a fan it's of the movie? It's good. I did. Yeah, yeah I liked it yeah. a lot. I like to do stuff a lot. Oh, yeah. And uh, man, the, the second season, I will say like the first season's great, but the second season, I feel like they've really upped the ante and they've, they've brought their A game with every episode. It's been so good. Um, shout out De Jackie Daytona. You guys will know once you see it. Um, all right. Is that everything you got, Boozy? Yeah. Okay. Last, uh, I got two things. The last one I'm going to be very, very short about because I don't feel like I should be talking about it anyways. But uh, my to be shout out of the week is a movie that I know out of the <laughs> four of us, uh, Tyler is the only one who has seen it, but I finally checked, or uh, not finally, I discovered Incident at Loch Ness last night. Um, oh, so man, this, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen that since it first came out. Holy crap. Yeah, it came out in 2003, I believe. And uh, I, this one I discovered because of um, Freddie in Space, who writes for Bloody Disgusting. He's been sharing on... He's been sharing recommendations on his Instagram, and this was one of the ones that he was really passionate about. And uh, I'm I'm pretty hit or miss with his recommendations. Him and I don't always agree on things, but he was pretty passionate about this one. So, and uh, judging by the synopsis, I decided to check it out. Um, so basically what you have here is this is a mockumentary-style film that is starring Zach, Zach Penn, who's the he's the director and writer of the film. And then uh, you also have Werner Herzog. Yeah, <laughs> famous director Werner <laughs> Herzog. Yes, and so Kyle, Star you need Wars to villain Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to find it. Okay, yeah. Yo, uh, what is this movie? Holy shit! So it's like wild. <laughs> yeah, the the IMDb synopsis is a documentary exploring the myth of the Loch Ness monster. And man, I had so much fun watching this movie last night, and I cannot believe I didn't know that this existed because. This is exactly, it feels like one of those movies that was just kind of made for me. Um, 
I find Werner Herzog endlessly entertaining and it just, he could talk about anything. I could listen to him talk about fucking the difference between kidney beans and black beans. And I would be entertained. Like he's just the way that he delivers his lines. Like he's have so you, funny. Have you guys seen that video on YouTube of Werner Herzog giving like a, he's giving like a talk at some university or something. And he's talking about how he was friends with John Waters for 40 years. and didn't know he was gay. That's that's the best that's the best part. I don't want to spoil anything about this movie, but that's the best part about Incident at Loch Ness is that uh they comment on a lot of like the the mystery behind Werner Herzog and like I don't know if you guys know about like there's like a famous story about how he he directed a film with Klaus Kinski and he famously apparently held a gun to his head while he filmed this. He filmed a whole scene with a gun to Klaus Kinski's head. And they very interesting guy. Yeah. And they, they touch on that in incident at Loch Ness. So the thing is it's all made to look real. It's mockumentary style. Something what we do in the shadows, the office, that kind of style. Um, But it's, you can tell it's, it's a whole set of, it's a whole filmmaking crew that is lying to Werner Herzog just because they have Werner Herzog and they know that their movie will have more eyes on it. If they have someone credible like him going out and searching for the Loch Ness monster, uh, they are intending to get footage one way or another, even if they need to hoax it. And, uh, Werner Herzog is very authentic and he, he will not, he, he does not, he's not down with that shit at all. He wants to find the real Loch Ness monster. And man, I don't know. Like it's, it's definitely more of a comedy than anything. But I highly enjoyed it. And uh, they bring in, like, the weirdest cast of characters. Like, it's so funny because uh, – also, I need to point out that the the writer-director of this movie, Zach Penn, uh, he's the screenwriter of Ready Player One and Inspector Gadget. <laughs> oh, sick. <laughs> yeah, he, like, I mean, he also wrote The Avengers and X-Men 2. So that's bizarre to begin with that this guy – and when once you see him and when he's talking, it's like, how did this guy go on to write these, like – blockbuster movies because he's also a character himself um but then he brings in like his second unit director is a guy who he's he's as soon as he gets in he's bragging about how he just got off filming second unit on swat (laughs) and like (laughs) like k2 and all these types of movies and then like the first 20 minutes there's a dinner party scene and jeff goldblum is there and so like it's just a bizarre movie with a whole bunch of people like just littered throughout it. They it's like, what are you even doing here? They're not they don't even put like at the bottom Jeff Goldblum, like yeah. he's he's not even a part of the movie. But last night I was last thing I'll say is while I was watching it, I was like taking a sip of my beer while I was watching it's like five minutes into this dinner party scene. And just it's so they established this dinner party five minutes into it and like nothing has happened. They're all just talking. I'm drinking my beer and then Crispin Glover walks into frame and I started choking on my beer. because I'm like, what the fuck? And they never address it. Crispin Glover's just in the scene for like 20 seconds and then he's not in the movie ever again. It's so funny. So, yeah, that's my to be shout out of the week is incident at Loch Ness. I might have um, to peep. I might have to peep to be on this one. Yeah, is and it- I, I think. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna leave it at that this week. Uh, uh, fuck it, I'll just say it. I rewatched Midsummer. I was waiting I watched, for that. Yeah, I watched the. So dire- I. I watched the director's cut of Midsummer, and uh, yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> I like that movie quite a bit. And uh, the first time, I, I did like it as well, but uh, I think it. I enjoyed it a lot more being removed from the hype of everything, and also being able to see it at home, like. Uh, it was a pretty long movie and I wasn't over, I was being pretty, 
I went in admittedly with my arms a little bit crossed, knowing that it's like, you know, the director for editor, you're, you're waiting to see him do something real amazing. And while I don't think it's as strong of a film as hereditary, it's a pretty fucking great movie. Um, the director's cut doesn't add a whole lot to the story. I don't think you need to see it. If you, um, the, the, you could just watch the regular theatrical cut. The thing that the director's cut adds to it is, uh, it fleshes out the character Christian a little bit better, which makes his, makes his end a little more justified, I feel. And, um, but I don't know. It's just it's it's one of those movies that I uh, I just I enjoyed it a lot more on a second a second watch, and it made me realize I should maybe with movies like that I should wait until I see them twice before I talk about them. Uh, <laughs> but I did I did like I liked it the first time. I was a little overcritical, but I I definitely enjoyed it significantly more the second time. So uh, that is on Amazon Prime if people want to watch it. Not the director's Not cut. Not Tubi. No, uh, but yeah, that's that's everything I watched. So I guess before we get on to the nightmare, uh, before we get on to talking about the dream child or Freddy's dead, uh, we can address Boozy wasn't here for our dream warriors or dream master episode. Yeah. Uh, so let's open up by talking a little bit about what you thought of those. You can just catch us up, Boozy. Let us know what you thought of both of those films. And then we're going to read a uh, an email from our friend Darcy that he sent last week that I didn't read on air because I forgot. <laughs> and uh, and then we'll get on to our main feature. Sure. Um, okay, so I'll do Nightmare 3 first. Um, I would hope I'm so. Gonna go through, I'm going to go through my notes here, so just, just try and follow with me with this one here. Uh, it's really weird that they brought Nancy back after the second one. Like, it, it's the right thing to do. But it was, I, I guess, two. That just makes two more of an oddball film when when you count one and three. Well, yeah, two um, two is just oddball to begin with. <laughs> I really enjoyed like this movie had a lot of cool kills, and some of them I think are kind of overrated. I thought the Freddy Worm was awesome. <laughs> it uh, is. Freddy Worm is great. Yeah. I, I uh, what, what was the other one? Uh, what could possibly sorry. be overrated? Phil, well, let's talk about Phil's kill. Yeah, Phil's kills the the wrist. Terrifying. That one was really cool. Yeah, I like that that everybody saw it too. So it added. It wasn't just. Uh, I think it was, did Kincaid was the one of, or no? I'm trying to remember. Sorry, I watched this like two weeks ago, so I'm trying to keep myself like up to date on this. I Had you Kincaid seen Dream Warriors before? No, that was my first time. Holy what? fuck! Wow, yeah, it's Wizard and um, Joey, I think. Who? Sorry, I think it's Wizard and Joey who see him. Walking the halls, sleepwalking. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else can I see? Uh, I liked the, the story where they were talking about uh, someone cutting off their eyeballs to stay awake. I feel like this movie did a really good job of expanding Freddy lore because there was so much to go with on that. Yeah. Not sure if you yeah. listened to the, the episode yet, but Seb actually I'm talked about how that was. Sorry. You're halfway through? Yeah. Sweet, yeah, because Seb talked about how uh, that was in Wes Craven's original script, where he would have uh, like it was it was supposed to be who who the fuck was it? Someone uh, ju- someone had cut their eyelids off <laughs> to try and yeah. stay awake. Yeah. New- um, yeah. Also, I know you guys. I haven't completely finished the episode, but I know I think Kyle mentioned it. I like that all the Dream Warriors can have whatever like special ability they want, and all of them are shit. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the one girl's like showing off her special move and she just does like a cartwheel. I'm like, fuck, I can do a cartwheel. 
Are you, you talking about Patricia sick. Arquette? But it's still yeah. sick, though. Her sweet acrobatics. <laughs> yeah, Patricia Arquette's just always, like, running up walls and shit. It's like, you could do anything, and this is what you choose. Yeah, and then the one girl, I want to be beautiful and bad. It was like, well, you're pretty hot to begin with, so now you're just bad? we got to talk about that for a second. Me and, me and Seb were talking about our favorite nightmare girl, and I think we both agreed that Taryn, Taryn is our favorite. Yeah. I love Taryn. I she love her. She was really good. I, I felt yeah. bad for her demise. Yeah, but that... She's gotten clean. Yeah. That kills <laughs> Wicked, though. It, it is. And, and my last note for uh, Nightmare 3 was, Rip Nancy died in the trap. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Okay. Also, there was a little bit of a. Did anyone else notice there was kind of a weird, like, uh, like Jedi kind of ending to it, where they like her dad shows up as a ghost and is just like, "Hey, I'm dead." Well, it's not. It's not actually it's her Freddy. dad. <laughs> yeah, it's Freddy. I know, but I just thought that was hilarious. It just reminded me of like Jedi when that happened. Yeah, and he he like shows up in a flutter of stars. Yeah. Yo, those stars are lame, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, going on to Nightmare 4. This is where they started doing quotes at the start of the movies. Nope, they did yeah. that in 3. It makes it seem like it's trying to be uh, more deep than it really is. Could not I think it's, more. it suited it in 3, not so much in 4. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 4, I actually think, has a lot of amazing kills. That was one of the best parts of 4. The story was all over the place, and they, like, replaced people without really mentioning it. Uh, <laughs> they they give way too much backstory to Freddy. Like, they, they keep adding so much, and a lot of it's, like, really unnecessary. Oh, boy. We're about to talk about the dream child, my friend. Also, they, they put so much emphasis on, like, the Freddy house, when I feel like it doesn't have the same kind of merit that like even like a Myers house would I, I feel like Freddy's more interesting you don't really have to talk about where he lives or where he lived yeah well that and that that's yeah, the other thing he actually never lived there either though yeah he yeah. and that's what that's me and Seb were talking about this yeah because it, a lot of people are they that's a common criticism is uh why is he so obsessed with that house and I the only thing I can think of is it's because John John was the one who lit the match and he lived there right it, it just seemed kind of unnecessary. I think Freddie does good enough as a symbol on his own that he doesn't need a, a house to kind of show that he's there as well. Yeah. Um, I don't want any more karate. That one was a, that was a tough one. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Boozy, what, what are your thoughts? Are nunchucks cool? Because I'm still not sure. They definitely the weren't 80s, in the UK. Were, yeah, I feel like the 80s, they were cool. But just watching this guy do this dumb shit, it just... But it's really infuriating because everyone else has tried all these like really cool ways to kill Freddy, and then he's just gonna karate at him. Especially that, as a teenager, invisible, invisible Freddy too. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I feel like everybody does like a karate kick in front of the mirror when they're like maybe ten, but when you're like seventeen, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, I think my favorite character in this one was definitely Sheila. I feel really bad for her. But Yo, I fuck a, with Sheila. Sheila, Sheila was such a good character. Yeah, I could not agree more. And um, I would say, oh, who the fuck is? I can't remember no, she, her name. Sheila's but like ripped right out of Degrassi High, which is why she's sick. I think that's why we like her. Um, and then the girl who is bench pressing and is obsessed with bench pressing. Debbie. I can't remember her name. Debbie. She, she had the best kill. That was like hands down the best kill. 
Yeah, I knew you were gonna fucking adore that. But like that—that's oh, one of those things. Effect, where, but it's so stupid. It is it, so stupid. Oh, they—they yeah. they shovel in the the reasoning for it like really poorly. But it yeah. was such a cool kill, and it—it's really cool that they actually had her like face come off too. That really sold me on that one. But the, but that's that's like my my only like well I got lots of beef with the Dream Master but like my <laughs> what my main issue with it is that like you have what what the fuck yeah the boyfriend uh, the karate kill so lazy <laughs> so such bullshit such a terrible lazy kill and same with Kincaid's kill sucks and then yeah. you have Debbie's kill Kincaid which is just like so much better oh man Kincaid deserved a way better kill than that and then but then Debbie's kill is just like oh my god like this is just like it's like they took their entire budget and put it into that one kill and it's like well, it felt believe... so uneven but it is glorious but stupid as hell wasn't it the karate boyfriend they hadn't filmed the scenes so they had to do it really quickly and they were like over budget so it's man. like in a room with a couple sheets yeah. Think about this, Boozy. Think about you get hired to get because obviously you're a Michael Myers mark. Uh, think yeah. about you get hired for a Halloween movie and you're told that you're going to get to be killed by by Michael Myers. And then they tell you that day, well, fuck, I don't know what what should we do with this guy? Um, well, we can't actually get Michael today. So maybe just go in and do karate moves and then we'll just like throw his knife at you or something yeah. It's like that would be so disappointing. You finally get your chance to get killed by like a famous slasher and then that's your kill. <laughs> it was it was like the weakest boss fight ending ever. Oh, yeah. I, I just I feel really bad that they they set up some really cool stuff with the dream warriors. And like just to go back to that, they set up so much cool stuff with like that and like um nancy kind of like teaching them and they you know they all like get better and stuff and then just to have them all kind of like hunted down in this in like the fourth one kind of sucks it's like it's a bummer 15 minutes yeah, yeah it's a it's kind of like uh it's it i know i'm not trying to trigger you here boozy but it is kind of like between aliens and alien 3 except for yeah. we get to watch them all die but in really unsatisfying ways well, they don't just die just off screen happen. Yeah, it's kind of like if you had like a third season of Stranger Things and they killed like half the kids. It wouldn't be Honestly, so bad. <laughs> oh, good well, I guess that's season four. Yeah, on it looks like it. All right, so but you, it sounds like you had fun with both of those ones. Yeah, yeah, I actually I'm having a good time watching these. Mo- I most you of would. them. You're four for four, four for four so far. I uh, even well, like two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently two's awesome. Really don't I like two a lot. Yep. Four is the worst. Four is the worst in my mind. Oh fuck! Okay, yeah. I I don't know if I can co-sign on that. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> but um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, quick message from Darcy Meredith, and then we're going to continue on to the Dream Child. Uh, so Darcy sent this. He says, "Nightmare on Elm Street was the first horror I can remember seeing, and it made me want to s- seek out everything horror. Without Freddy, who knows what I would be doing with my life? Collecting Russian Russian nesting dolls, working towards a lifelong dream dream of grill operating at Burger King, perhaps hosting a do- daily crafting podcast. I might never have had the opportunity to talk about an obscure Spanish horror movie with two other horror buckaroos, or have my Guillermo del Toro erotic fan fiction played out to the world on your podcast." Uh, truth be told, oh, I'm not even. <laughs> truth be told, I'm not even really into movies other than horror, and even even with horror, I don't form emotional connection connections or even get particularly excited about them, other than the Nightmare series and Galaxy of Terror. Fucking wild! I started a podcast about movies, but it's something I love doing and something that would never have happened without the influence Nightmare on Elm Street had on me. 
I'm not even sure I can tell you what I love so much about the series. I'm particularly drawn to the two industries run by artistic passion, and most likely I'll be able to see the love what the actors were see the love of what the actors were creating. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'll never stop recommending Galaxy of Terror until all of you have seen it. Your favorite hipster fuck, Darcy. Sent from Bell Huawei device over Canada's wow. largest network. I did not think so. You guys haven't seen Galaxy of Terror. I've been no. trying to find it. I no. what, do. Do you do you have a copy of Galaxy of Terror? Yeah, I got on Blu-ray. Is really? it not on because uh, it's it's not in the show channel at all? No, well, that's the thing. I th- I could have sworn I saw it there, but like you said, the search option is terrible on Tubi, and I tried searching it up and I couldn't find it. So Let me double check I, uh, while we're on our yeah. Yeah, because I definitely I if if I can find a way to watch it, I will watch it tonight. Like I want to see that movie very badly. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Darcy. Thanks for always sending in your thoughts, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying this nightmare franchise that we got going on here. But boys, do you? Uh, oh, sorry, not butt boys, but boys, <laughs> do, you wanna, <laughs> do you guys want to get on to uh, the Dream Child? Let's do it. Hell yeah! All right, we'll be right back. His mother was a God-fearing woman. His birth was an unspeakable horror. Please don't let him do that! His life and death have been one incredible nightmare. (laughs) But now all that is going to change because Freddy wants to become a daddy. Wanna make babies? What's wrong with me? You're just a little pregnant. Even if he has to adopt. Do unborn babies dream? When it comes to chills. It happened while I was awake. When it comes to screams. The part just start. When it comes to pure terror. Bone appetite. <laughs> no one delivers like Freddy. Better buckle up. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. It's a boy! When it comes to terror, remember, Freddy knows best. Man, I kind of miss time play. And we have reached our main feature presentation in which we're going to be talking, we're going to lead off with a discussion on A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, which came out in 1989 and is has the return of Robert England. Uh, Lisa Wilcox is reprising her role as Alice. Uh, we also have Kelly Joan Winter, Kelly Joe Winter, Danny Hassel, Erica Anderson, and a bunch of other meat to the grinder as usual. Uh, the story goes, the the pregnant Alice finds Freddy Krueger striking through the sleeping mind of her unborn child, hoping to be reborn into the real world. So, uh, look, before we get moving on with this, uh, I guess I will say it was directed by Stephen Hopkins, who the year after this, in 1990, he directed Predator 2. Which rules. Uh, yeah, which Hell is a movie yeah. that I believe we all love here. Um, and yeah, he's, he hasn't done a lot of other genre films as far as I know, but he's done a lot of TV and whatnot, but, uh, he definitely made his stamp in the nightmare world with the dream child, uh, which was a movie with a notoriously 
confused uh, production. Um, but first, before we get on to talking about this movie in general and talking about Freddy's Dead, we want to catch you guys up on where Tyler Baptist is at with the Nightmare franchise in general. And before even getting on with that, I just want to say uh, Kyle has been saying since the beginning of this franchise that his first exposures of Nightmare on Elm Street were because of Tyler and your midnight screenings. What were your midnight screenings called again? I cannot remember, but they were at the Broadway Theater. Yeah, it was Midnight Madness. Midnight okay. Madness. Midnight so Madness. fuck. <laughs> I, I, thought it, I thought it was more like uh, specific than that for some reason. No. Yeah, like Midnight I, Madness I, isn't specific enough. Well, no, well, I don't it's, know. One, it's one of those things where I was gonna say I think it's Midnight Madness, but then I was like, no, because if I say that, then uh, I'll sound like a dummy if it's not it. But anyways, yeah. So Tyler, you've been putting on these movies. You you've been put you used to put on genre films at the Broadway theater like constantly. And yeah, uh, uh, pretty much every one, one a month, sometimes two a month for uh, 10 years. Yeah, that's absolutely wow. crazy. So and in in those 10 years, though, you showed Dream Warriors, correct? Did you yes. you didn't show any other Freddy movies? No, that was the only one. No. Um, but what is your what's your take on the franchise in general? I know there is a reason why I chose you for this specific episode. Um, but what's your what's your take on the franchise in general? Definitely. Uh, I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Um, and we'll get more into my backstory with that once we get to the next one, because the next one is really what cemented it for me. Um, but uh, yeah, huge Freddy fan. Uh, he terrified me as a kid. And yeah, I'll get into that. But uh, first one is amazing. It's an absolute classic. And you guys obviously already discussed that uh, in great lengths with Scott. And uh, I agree with a lot of the stuff that Scott says about the movie. We have a very similar viewpoint on the franchise, especially the first movie. It's just perfection. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's some limitations due to the budget and the production, etc. But uh, as far as the story goes, the execution, the score, the mood, the atmosphere, it's just unrelenting and still truly terrifying to this day. Absolutely. And then what about Freddy's Revenge? I actually really like Freddy's Revenge. Have you always? Uh, it's it, um, I, when I first saw it, I mean, I was, I didn't hate it. Um, but I think it gets an awful lot of, I think, bad feedback. And I think unfairly so, cause I think it's actually a very well-made movie. Um, like the unintentional story stuff, whether it's intentional or not, uh, you know, is fun and there's a lot to dissect there, but I think just taking it as, um, you know, a sequel to a movie that uh, did very well that they really didn't, you know, plan to make anything else, you know, after that and then deciding they had a hit, you know, I think I think for what it is, like for a Freddy Kill movie and taking it in a different direction and giving some some backstory to it, I think they, they did really a good job in that one, I think. Especially compared to some of the later sequels. Uh, especially with what we'll get into with part five and, uh, and then when I talk about part four here, but uh, I like part two a lot. Cool. And then part three, Dream Warriors, the Seems to be a favorite, like it, with uh, fans, they seem to be divided between the original or part three. It always seems to be one of the one of the yeah, two is their favorites. Yeah. And actually, I want to give a shout out to part two first. The uh, it has Robert Shea's best cameo in the series, obviously, as the bartender at the uh, the leather so bar. Good. Yeah, and then uh, actually, you don't I think like his when, cameo uh, in the fourth one. His cameo in the fourth one is so bad. It's I know that's so the bad. First one. It's his, his one the, in, in six is pretty bad too, but yeah. Um, but uh, the also when Freddie emerges from Mark Patton from Jesse is like yeah, one of the yeah, best effects yeah. sequences in the entire franchise. Yeah, agreed. But uh, yeah, part three Dream Warriors is is always a blast. Um, it's definitely top tier nightmare, and uh, you know it it 
this is, and I agree with Scott here too, where this is where Freddy does become a little bit of a cartoon character. Um, but they are dealing kind of more with the comic book aspect in this one. And, you know, like kind of, you know, these dream warriors, the superheroes kind of thing. Right. So that, that comes to play in this. So it lightens things up a bit, but yeah. it's fun. It's a lot of fun. All right. And why the hate for part four? Ah, uh, it just sucks. It's a mess. Rennie Harlan is a hack director. Uh, regardless of the production problems on this one and, you know, the time, like if you think about it, Ghostbusters also was in production like eight months before it had to hit the theater date. So, and this is no different. So how did this turn out such shite? Um, I think just, yeah, the, the whole backstory they're doing with this one, the, the cast in it, like Rennie Harlan, cause this is one of his first features, obviously, like he just does not have a grasp on directing actors, which is Interesting, too, because when we get to talking about part five here, a lot of that cast returns and they're actually good in part five. Like their acting is actually good, whereas they're just terrible in part four. You know, what? Uh, You're, that's true. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just a mess. Like, sure, there's some fun kills, but they're stupid as hell. Like the uh, shark Freddy beach scene, I think, is the <laughs> stupidest scene in the entire franchise. That was the scene that I hated. The, like, I, I didn't turn around on the Dream Master until last year. I always hated it. And that was the scene that was the most problematic for me. I fucking hated that. But it's also cool knowing that the director who, the guy who directed that scene went on to direct Deep Blue Sea. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got to give him props for that. Yeah. Some things just make sense. Yeah. But yeah. okay. All right. So it's, we got a gen- general it's, grasp it's over. Yeah, we got a general grasp of where Tyler's at. Um, now let's let's delve into the fucking dream child. Um, so I think I'm going to still let you, uh, Tyler, take this away and lead off for us. And then the rest of us will chime in. And then we'll just open up the conversation. So thoughts on Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child. So yeah, the, the Dream Child, which is basically a direct sequel to Part 4. Like Part 4 and Part 5 are really one movie to me. Just, you know, like a first half. Kind of like like it part one and two, but both it part one and two, which also owes a huge debt to this series as far as its dream sequences and stuff. Yeah. Sucked. Uh, but uh, <laughs> are you talking about like that's, the that's new ads? Yeah. I, I yeah. hated it. Oh, I know you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So this, like, cause obviously they're recycling a lot of the same sets. Obviously we have uh, Alice returning Lisa Wilcox, who's really good. I think, um, I think, yeah, she's one of the more well-rounded characters, I think, in the franchise. Um, kind of, you know, filling in Kristen's role after she bites it. But um, Totally. Yeah, I think, you know, what do you do after you kill Freddy at the fourth one? And obviously, you know, why not uh, bring him back as a, as a child through uh, Alice? I think it's an, it's an interesting concept. Um, and I was watching this one with uh, the series with my girlfriend because she hadn't seen some of these since she was a kid. And she really did not like four and five, especially because of the effect. She's not like a gore fan, yeah. um, but she was, she had some interesting concepts uh, with this one kind of being in a way, slightly pro choice in its dealing with the child. And yeah. How yeah, um, yeah. there's some really interesting concepts with that. And this is also, again, during a time when, you know, Reagan and that yeah. was around. So kind of the, you know, movie politics at the time. Yeah, but absolutely. uh yeah it's it's freddie as a as a you know coming back through trying to get into the real world as a you know the dream child and uh yeah i think stephen hopkins direction in this one's actually really good it's quite tight especially coming on the heels of part four 
Now it's not a great movie, um, but it's far superior than part four. And uh, it, it has, um, I think, you know, the motorcycle kill with Dan. Yeah. Which is, and this, I think that, that kill is insane. Like it's that's awesome. That's way better than the, than the roach kill in part four. Couldn't and, agree more. Totally with you on that one. And uh, it's just insane. I think that may have actually also been a huge because the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were big in Japan, and that has to be an influence on Japan's like cyberpunk aesthetic because yeah. there's a lot of influence there. Also, uh, that when I was watching it this time around, because this is the one I've seen the least amount out of all of the nightmares besides uh, besides the remake, if you want to include that. Um, this is the one I've seen the least. So that's definitely the scene that blew me away the most out of this whole movie. Like, I love that scene. And mm-hmm. he kind of looks like a, you can also see some influence from like early Mad Max. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like he's, it, oh, I totally. know this is a character, this is more of a character from uh, Fury Road, but he feels like one of like Morton Joe's henchmen. And yeah. he looks really exactly good. Exactly what I wrote down. Yeah, like he that scene looks really, really good. Does it make a whole lot of sense? No, no. But no. does does anything past three make a whole lot of sense? Not really. No. Not even for a second. Yeah, we gotta pretty much four, abandon the rules. Yeah, part four and part five are really only about the kills. The yeah. story is really secondary in these ones, whereas yeah. the story matters more in you know one, two, and three. Uh, and kind of setting up the backstory. They're just like they're running out of steam on what to do with Freddy. Like we we still have to elaborate on him somehow. But how can we also kill these kids? But the funny thing is, part five two only has like three kills in it too. So it's a fairly low kill count. How yeah. do we uh, kill these kids? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do we? Yeah. Kill and like Greta's death is just disgusting too. Where you know she's force fed her innards, and you know the whole relationship between her mom and and that. I think it's. This one's interesting in the fact that I think it deals better with the kids' fears versus, like, part four. Um, and again, this one, too, obviously had, uh, you know, time constraints because these movies were so popular that yeah. they, just, you know, rushed them into production because they had a theatrical date already looming. But, yeah, sure. it's, yeah, I like, like, five's fun for me. Yeah, cool. Um Boozy, what are your thoughts on five? Uh, I I kind of with Tyler on this one. Four and five really do blend together for me. It really freaked me out seeing the kid from Jurassic Park in this because, like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, "What? He did other things?" Yeah, and his his dad like just died. Right, like this is all like there's so many cool things you can learn in Never Sleep Again, the documentary. Um, but yeah, his his dad had just died when he uh, when he took on this role. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's actually like and that's one of the coolest things about Never Sleep Again in this segment is he he talks about it. Like, think about it. Think about being a young kid who's trying to get your mind off the loss of your father. Like, there's pretty much no way, no way better to get your mind off of things than stepping into a Nightmare on Elm Street set. Like the world <laughs> is so especially this one, like they do build a pretty elaborate set especially for the end i'm, I'm Where, really surprised mm-hmm. that he didn't have more yeah. of an acting career i thought he was really good in this yeah except for he delivers a fucking stupid bullshit line <laughs> like the whole ending of this movie i think is so dumb but the, everything in this fucking franchise is dumb at yeah. one point <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, he, I will like, agree with you that the fuel injected danny mobile is fucking sweet <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also like that Freddy uses, uh, you'd also mentioned this, that he uses his gloves to do other stuff, like how they turned into spoons. 
I thought that was kind of cool. He's like, check it out. It's got like a he's a Swiss Army knife glove. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of there's lots of like yeah, like what Tyler said. This these movies pretty much just become plots for them to set up special effects gags, and yeah. that's oh, not yeah. always that's not such a bad thing. Like we we could have gotten people think about how how bad these movies do get you know, quote unquote bad for some people, uh, mm-hmm. but they, they could be a whole lot worse. And uh, it's still pretty cool that you get some pretty exciting makeup effects out of it. And this movie's loaded with some pretty cool makeup effects. The only thing I wish is I, I wish they would have uh, like the MPAA really gutted this movie in particular. Like there's yeah. so much more that they, they had filmed. And you even see like when, when Freddie brings Greta back, uh, like when he's like taunting, I can't. I think he's taunting Alice with her. Uh, you see her stomach is all cut out and everything. Yeah. Uh, but in her kill, you only see him force feeding her. But in the actual, like when they were filming it, he starts gutting her stomach and pulling out her stomach. But you don't see that in the actual movie. And I think that that would have made it a lot better because I, I actually don't think that that kills all that good. I think it's fucking stupid. But it it is a stupid movie. But I just think it could have been a lot more effective if you had seen like the this... whole thing. If we could have seen everything like, Stephen Hopkins wanted to show us, it would have been a lot more effective. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a weird transition for Freddy, too, because he started being more campy in 3 and 4, but I feel like this one, he was kind of dark, actually, in this one. Like, going from even him as a little, like, bastard child and stuff, and, like, there's a lot of, like, satanic stuff to go with it, whereas I find, mm-hmm. like, he, he is pretty dark and ominous in this one, but gets real. He goes to the complete opposite end when we get to the next movie. Totally, Kyle. You What's haven't up? been having as much fun as the rest of us in this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> what have you know, thought? Guys. What What did you think about the Dream Child? <laughs> okay, hear me out. Oh no! Here's <laughs> another Eminem reference. <laughs> no, I'll leave the Eminem references for today. I mean, we're basically just out of word. Getting nothing but revivals for now on, but more or less. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The Dream Child. To be honest, like I didn't like, I didn't hate it. I um, I think it does have some like good moments in it. I think its biggest like, uh, <laughs> its most of like offensive parts to me to me are just that it's really fucking boring at times. Like <laughs> I find that like. It is exactly how Boozy kind of put it. Like, I find four and five really blend in together in a lot of ways. Um, so I felt the exact same way in that regard. And I don't know. I actually do think this film takes a really interesting approach in, like, the second act. And I really, really like the second act where it becomes basically, like, a teen drama. <laughs> and I'm a fucking sucker for that shit. And I actually kind of thought, like, it was pretty sweet because up until that point, like... You know, they do a pretty good job of developing the characters. I really like uh, Yvonne. Yeah, the chemistry in between the kids here, and yeah. that's really a testament to Stephen Hopkins, like, directing this. Is, I, is, yeah, it's good. For as ridiculous as this shit is, and it honestly doesn't make any sense, and I'm, I'm not even criticizing the fact that, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I've yeah. given up that long ago. <laughs> Like, that's not an issue. Like, Yvonne is killing it here. Kelly Jo Minter gives a great performance. She was also in an episode of Zoe 101 in 2008, so that's pretty cool. I, like, <laughs> I don't know, but, like, the actual, like, um, like them kind of banding together, like, while Alice is, like, um, you know, having her, you know, her Freddy dreams again and 
started trying to figure out the the mess of what's going on. Like them batting together, like her, Mark, and Yvonne, are, it's, it's pretty cool, actually. I kind of liked, I really, really liked the middle part of this film. But then honestly, like once the last act comes in, it's just fucking nonsense. And it's, it's not, it's, I guess just generally speaking, I don't like Cartoon Freddy. Like I think Cartoon oh boy. Freddy. Super Freddy, yeah. Like he, he was like peak that style in Dream Warriors. And I love how they did him in Dream Warriors. And I think it makes great sense. I think you can either do Freddy how you do him in the first film or the third. I think both are acceptable and both can be done very, very well. And there's films that showcase that. But I don't know, like four and five absolutely are examples of sort of that just going over the edge for me and not really entertaining ways. Like sure, these kills are inventive and I don't know, there's visually interesting at times, but by this film, by the dream child, they're just derivative of each other. Like I feel like there's nothing really new or really that exciting happening besides of course the the Danny motorcycle. That is that's the standout for this film for me personally. Yeah. Um I just feel like it doesn't have much of a visual style otherwise. Like it, it just kind of looks bland. It looks like a made for TV movie half the time. Like I think maybe the direction is fairly tight, but all in all, like it just it doesn't it doesn't bring too much for the table uh, to the table for me. But at, but at the same time, it it's not overly offensive. It's watchable. It's just I don't know. And like all the Dream Child shit is just it's <laughs> it's it's laughable and it's kind of funny and it's kind of fun at times. But like you said, Mitch, that last scene is just it's just fucking stupid to be honest. Like yeah. at that point, I'm not even laughing at the movie in a fun way. I'm just kind of like. Oh fuck! Okay, I guess he's going to his next Dragon Ball Z form. Like, oh, what's gonna happen now? Like, I I don't know. I don't know. I I think Jake. We'll get into it a bit more, but I think like Jacob as a whole is kind of what's wrong with this movie in, in a lot of ways. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> all in all, I, all in all, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I'm on the I'm in the middle on this one because there actually were some things that I really liked about it, but I think it's mostly forgettable, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the the Jacob thing, especially when it comes to the the final act of the movie, is definitely underbaked, undercooked yeah. because you know they they kind of leave that up to the fact that this could be handled in another one, which unfortunately they don't do in Freddy's Dead. But uh, we'll get right. to that. Yeah, but yeah, it's just kind of the thing of setting up another another story that you can elaborate on if you know this hit big and which it did, and you know continue yeah. the franchise, right? Well, even totally. along with that, like it's um to me, it's just an example of this film really not having much originality at this point. Like I feel like throwing in like a spooky kid at this yeah. point is this is just sort of like bringing in like as many horror tropes as they possibly can at this point. I feel like it's really kind of missing the heart of what you know maybe the first or maybe even the second and third film really have like sort of like what nightmare is supposed to be about and maybe what it even could be about like like you said like the fact of like okay freddy coming back is like a child like incarnate yeah. sure like it's goofy but hey it could work like the idea is like doable i think and that's it, like i don't know and that's that's one of the the things too because you know really the first movie is the only one that actually deals with freddy as this entity that is scary terrifying whereas because of the third one and the way they handled that by lightening things up and doing a superhero kind of thing, that really changed the complete trajectory of every other sequel after that. Right. So I don't know. I guess that that's a interesting thing to bring up because like maybe I'm just like conflicted now. Like I love Dream Warriors, but because of Dream Warriors, we have like that's two four and five. Shit, <laughs> we have two shit movies. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, I don't know. Like this whole 
this whole retrospective series has been interesting for me because I, unlike you guys, like I, and I guess Tyler is probably the same way. I grew up with this franchise and I've had so much time to just accept it for what it is. And I can have fun with every single one of these movies minus one. And like the, I'll just say the remake, I, I, yeah. I you can say that it's canon or not. It's just, it's not, it's not my nightmare. And, uh, I, all the original not nightmare, nightmare. Not, I know I sound like a neckbeard loser right there, but all of the original <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street movies, like with Robert England, I can have fun with in some capacity or or another. And I think this is definitely one of the weaker weaker installments. But this is also one of the ones I've seen the least amount because I did always tend to skip for uh, the Dream Child and Freddy's Dead. Actually, uh, these are two specific movies that I always skipped on my rewatches. Um, unless I was planning on doing them, the series front to back. Uh, but the thing is for horror franchises, there's always a way of finding out of it that you've run out of steam. One way is to send them to space. Another way is to give them a kid. <laughs> and it's like to give them a kid is like, it's just a dead, this is just a dead giveaway that they're running out of ideas. The series is running out of steam. They're putting less care into it. And you can feel that. And you can feel that they, like they started this movie without a script. They, they were filming this movie without a script. And I think that you can feel that for a lot of a, a large portion of the movie. But given that those circumstances, it could have been way worse than how it turned out. Um, but for me, the, how I look at all these nightmare movies, you know, all these years later, like this is what almost 30 years, 30 years now since Dream Child has came out, has come out. It's it all comes down to whether they're rewatchable or not for me and if they're still fun. And the thing that's separating this one from being more fun than the other ones to revisit is the whole child subplot. And it is that heavy handed like I think that that like what you were talking about, Tyler, you and your girlfriend were having that conversation about pro choice and everything. I think there's a really good idea there and a really good concept, but they clearly they didn't have enough time to to actually nail it down and to flesh it out as well as it could have been. Um, but obviously we're talking about a part five of a nightmare on Elm street. So like, that's not what they were going for. They, they weren't putting in a, the level of care that they were putting into the first one. But I still think that, yeah, like you said, the, the Danny death is unreal. Uh, yeah. other, other than that, I like, and one thing I want to point out too, though, is that so, so, I mentioned this at, on the last episode, but Seb and I, we basically do just talk about like horror movies when we're when we're texting. And he messaged me randomly like it was like eight hours later after we recorded. And he said, so I've been thinking about that dog pissing in Nightmare 4. <laughs> he's, and he's like, dog? yeah, he's like, so I thought I've been thinking about that dog pissing. And he's like, he realized that he's like, they don't actually show how Freddy comes back in two, three or six but they show how he sort of comes back in this one. But it's like, we never question it unless we're seeing it. And uh, that's why it's like, you can't even really. So that that's more of a conversation that I wish we could have had with the dream master. Cause it's like, really, did he really come back from radioactive piss or fire piss or whatever the fuck fire it is? Piss, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, there's so many things in this movie that just make it more, uncomfortable in a way that it's not as fun to watch and i think like that whole birthing scene and i i've i had spoken about how in uh in dream masters i'm not a huge fan of the freddy being the bastard son of a hundred maniacs or whatever like yeah, that that, that, is, that whole plot yeah. is just not cool. it's not for me i i think it's kind of lame and like tacky obviously the whole franchise is tacky but um 
I think I didn't need to see that. I don't need to see all of those guys like in the, like how, how it all went down. Granted, I, at this point, I don't know what's a dream or what's real. Like, so is that scene like, cause yeah, it just, a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but those are the things that make it less desirable on a rewatch. But Freddie fetus is pretty hilarious, even though it makes absolutely no fucking sense considering he was a normal person when he got yeah. burnt alive. <laughs> so like, there's just plot, there's plot problems throughout the whole thing, but that that's something that goes on throughout the series in general. It's more but about the I think, concept, Mitch. It's more yeah. about the conceptual aspect of Freddy I think, as a E.T. looking child. True. <laughs> very different. He, he just looks like a nutsack with eyes. Like he doesn't look good. And, <laughs> and that's the other thing too, is I don't, I don't think Freddie's makeup looks good in this movie. I think it's one of his weaker makeups and uh, it's not necessarily, it's not bad. Like he debatably looks worse than Freddie's dead, but I think it suits him in Freddie's dead. It suits the tone of the movie, how he looks in that one, um, which we'll obviously get onto. But for me, this one, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's one of those movies that it, this is totally just a, this is them officially running out of steam, which is such a shame because there's so much you, you would think that there's so many things you could do with this franchise and with this concept. And it's such a shame that by the fifth one, they were already running out of ideas. But you can't it's almost one of those conversations where you could say that they weren't even necessarily running out of ideas. They were just being forced to keep pumping them out and they yeah. didn't have time to come up with ideas. And uh, that's what's really a shame. But at the same time, it's pretty admirable that they still came out entertaining uh, and uh, yeah, like I like what what uh, Tyler was saying too. I do like in this one that they they focus a little bit more on the phobias, which is something that I enjoyed about in the Dream Master. I think obviously Debbie showed that she has a phobia for cockroaches. Whether like obviously that whole thing was stupid, yeah. but it's still awesome to look at. Um, I like I like how they actually delved into Greta's issue with her parents. And I just think that whole scene just kind of felt like like it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost felt like kind of like a John Waters type scene. It felt so yeah, out of place yeah, with the whole that. with the whole nightmare series, and that almost it made it feel like a dream sequence before it was even well, a dream. She's from Twin Peaks, right? So I couldn't help but think of Twin Peaks. Like <laughs> while that scene was going on, it felt sort of like surreal. Yeah, she only then, yeah she was only in Twin Peaks, and then I think she quit acting in like 2000. Yeah, yeah. and then um, with uh, is it, I can't remember his name. It's Mark, right? The comic book geek in in five yeah the guy yeah. gets sucked into an aha music video yeah. fucking sucks but, uh, i i i don't mind that kill it's oh. it's obviously less gore because it's, oh no the no kill is cool it's on his, his phobia because of course he's yeah. you know has the affinity for blood but i think that's interesting how there's really no blood in that kill in the actual <laughs> yeah kill, right? yeah no, I actually that, had like a really good time with this movie. Like when listening to you guys talk about it, I feel like I had the best time out of any of you. <laughs> well, kinda, you also watched it for the first time. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it, I watched this with my girlfriend, and the only other uh, nightmare movie she's watched is one. So she went from that to this one. Oh and boy! She, the whole time I asked, she's like, "What the fuck happened?" Like, "Oh, this is great." I was having such a good time with that. You were liking that she was confused. Yeah, I, I just loved how every I don't know. There's something oh, about great. this movie that's so 80s in everything it does, yeah, and it that's just true. feels really fun. Like it feels like the one that didn't take itself seriously and just had a good time. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be honest, like I didn't shoot up hate this movie. Like there's things about this that I I really do like. I actually kind of like Mark as a character too. To be honest, he looks <laughs> like something who's like ripped right out of the faculty. Actually, yeah, <laughs> and like. 
I don't know. It it, it is I think, really fucking stupid near the end, but there's parts of it that kind of work. And like as we talk about it, maybe I enjoyed it a little bit more than I remember, but at the same time, like I can't yeah, get it has behind problems. Yeah. I can't get behind the child shit. Like, honestly, it's so stupid. <laughs> what I see happening here is Kyle starting to realize that this is what you're dealing with and you should just have fun with it. Like, like, I, I, cause well, it, it's not that I, I'm not trying to have fun with it. Like, it's not even that because, like, I would argue, like, the same things I have a problem with in this film. I could have a problem with in Dream Warriors, but I love that movie. And that <laughs> shit is pretty zany for the most part. It's just done a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. True. I just, yeah, I guess at this point, Freddie hasn't been like truly, which is, it's a, it's weird to say that Freddie hasn't been scary for a while. Cause when I was growing up, all of these movies scared me. Like Freddie's yeah, well, dead horrified me well, it's when creepy. I was a kid. And the set design is creepy too. Actually, like the, as stupid as that last scene is the production design for that like area is really cool. It looks like a yeah. quiet this- riot music video, but it's still pretty <laughs> sick. Well, yeah, same with this, the, the church that explodes and all the stuff they did with that. That was a really cool set. Totally. And this Actually, has to be a production designer who's been consistent. I don't know if he worked on the first one. I have to Google it. But uh, CJ Strawn worked on two, three, four, and five for sure, and six uh, as production designer. So it, it's at least consistent with what they're doing, like look wise, well, throughout person, the entire franchise. That kills it because I think. That's definitely been a highlight through all these films for me, actually, is, is like no matter what dumb shit's going on or how like thrown out of the film I am, there's at least always like something, something visually interesting at play. Yeah. I have a question for you guys, though. Have we ever talked about the actual like jump rope thing? Like, what is that about? Like the kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I get it that it's sort of like a. Those were kids he killed. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> what? I, what? More? Those, are, those are the kids from like those are his original murders. Like, yeah, and they're heeding. They're they're spreading the warning. They're generating fear for Freddie. But what? They come back every Jesus time. Jesus, five no, no, I, I get five movies in. This, <laughs> it's like, like he has that thing that that happens, but he doesn't really need them. Exactly. That's exactly. He does, he does exactly need them. That that's how he gets his his name into their heads, and then it, that's how it starts always. I don't know. Can you hear me out though. That that's something. You guys just you just don't understand <laughs> art. I, I feel like that is something that could at least give me explain that to me in five minutes rather than explaining to me a fucking. I just explained child. it to you in twenty like, seconds. I know you did, but I want the movie to like. I want the movie to give me some shit like that because that's far more interesting than like honestly half of this plot. Which yeah, give, is me, a give plot. me like a, a blur and that last shot is awesome with the slow mo jump rope pulled back from the picnic. Well, yeah, that, that, that was the shot where I finally thought to myself, like, hey, wait a minute, what the fuck does this actually mean? Like, I don't, I, like, like, I get it that it's sort of like, yeah, lures like the next yeah. crop in every time, and it's just one of those those Nightmare on Elm Street landmarks, just like you know. You have Nancy's house. You have the jump rope kids. You have the the nursery rhyme. Like but it's at this, it's, at this it's part of the franchise, it feels so far removed. Like it made sense to yeah. me in the first like first film, at least very much so. Um, but at this point, I don't know. I think I it still know. makes sense. But I the my my final thoughts on Dream Child, so we can get onto Freddy's eggs. I think we're gonna have a lot more to say about Freddy's dad. Um, is that that ending? Uh, I I do stand by it. I love the ending in Nightmare Four, 
I think that's one of the highlights of that movie. I think that that whole like the it set, the set designs, and like the how he's like melding into everything is so cool. Uh, this one, it offers some cool practical effects, and but it's just so fucking ridiculous how it goes down. Like a, if you just think about it, a child like think about writing this on a paper so that the kid pukes into Freddy's chest, and then it like <laughs> shoots out like other little demons so, at the back so. of his. It's amazing. Like it's it's so stupid that it's like. Man, fucking cocaine was amazing in the 80s. And I wish I could have had my hands on that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, all right. You guys want to get on? Do you guys have anything uh, to tie up? I got Dream one Trial? final thing here. Yeah. Uh, just going to go back to the rap game with uh, part five here. The end theme by Cool Mo D, Let's Go, is <laughs> oh. a LL Cool J diss track. <laughs> oh, wow. right. Yes. <laughs> they just put that in there or what? Well, it's a hit, hit at the time, right? But it just also happens to be one of the uh, LL Cool J Cool J diss tracks that uh, he was doing because they were having beef back and forth. Oh, Ladies wow. do not love Cool J. <laughs> and another cool tie into that is LL Cool J closes out Deep Blue Sea with Deepest Bluest, <laughs> My Hat is Like a Shark's Fin. <laughs> Which was a, a cool Modi diss track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. You know what? Now I think I like the movie more. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, All right. one more thing before we get on to the next one. I Kay. just remembered. Uh, do, did you guys notice that the that podium that Freddie was standing on that was lit up? Like the it was supposed to be like a church window, but it looked like a DDR dance floor. The whole time <laughs> I was waiting for him to do some sort of move to like was DDR big in '88? Was it around? No, I don't think. I don't no. think. I don't think. Oh, okay. Yet. The whole time I was like, that's a DDR <laughs> floor right there. Maybe, yeah, maybe Freddie. Maybe this movie predicted DDR, yeah. All right, we'll be right back with Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. As a boy, he was always different. No one understood him. You ready for it, boy? It's time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. Go inside, honey. But now, it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Every town has an Elm Street. your mind will go for. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little soul, too. Oh, yeah. We're gonna have to hit him with everything we've got. Now I'm playing with power. We're in Twin Peaks here. It's gotta be me. And him. You want to live? Thank you, what's up? What's with kids today, huh? Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. Great graphics. They saved the best. For last.
All right, and we have reached National Lampoon's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare <laughs> from 1991. Uh, so the story of this one goes, dream-haunting Freddy Krueger returns once again to prowl the nightmares of Springwood's last surviving teenager and, a, and of a young woman whose personal connection to Krueger may mean his doom. Uh, and this one has the return of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, we also got Meyer of Rat Race fame. Um <laughs> We and got the Ricky, craft. Yeah, and the craft. Yeah. We got Ricky Dean Logan playing Carlos, which is a very famous kill in this franchise that people talk about. Leslie Dean uh, and Lisa Zane. Billy so, Zane's sister. Yes, sure. Billy Zane's sister. And we also have a cameo of Johnny Depp. Yep. And not, Tom not Arnold. To, and not, to mention, not to mention yep. my fourth round pick of my 2020 celebrity death pool, Tom Arnold. <laughs> At the end, not to get ahead, but uh, they're credited in the end credits as Mr. and Mrs. Tom Arnold. Like Roseanne Martin. <laughs> yeah, because it was when Roseanne and Tom Arnold were married. Yeah, that's great. And this one was directed by Rachel Talley, who uh, she had been involved with the Nightmare series since the very beginning. I believe she's a producer on all the other films. And uh, she also wrote the story for this one uh, alongside Michael DeLuca. And uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at. So. She's well, actually is, pretty interesting. She's directed a lot of like random ass television. Well, she has. And she Tank is, Girl. Yeah, she she directed Tank Girl, and which is a, a well known movie of the '90s that a lot of people are big fans of. And then, yeah, now she, it seems like she has a pretty great career in TV. Uh, she, she's been directing episodes of Riverdale, American Gods, Doom Patrol, The Flash, Supergirl, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, Doctor Who, Sherlock. So she's doing well. She's yeah. she's doing all right for herself. Not to um, mention a 2009 episode of the Canadian sitcom The Kink in My Hair. <laughs> I've so never that was heard of that. That's oh, pretty man, sick. I haven't heard that in forever. Also, I've never an heard episode of, that. of Unfabulous, which stars Emma Roberts. You love Unfabulous. I am a pretty big Unfabulous fan. Yeah. It premiered the same year as Zoe 101. So actually, a lot of Nickelodeon love this episode. I got a hey. I got a quick ask and derail this. The, the kink in my hair, since it's Canadian, I've never heard of this, but does this have any relation to Canada's uh, awesome, terrifying children's movie, The Peanut Butter Solution, which also has to do with hair? Uh, I, can't, <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny that claim. <laughs> the Peanut Butter Solution. Fuck. Uh, all right, Tyler, do you want to lead off this conversation on Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare? Why not? It, because this is the one I just want to get it out. So when you first came on the show, uh, this movie came up. Yeah. And this is why I've had you in mind the, the moment we decided to do this. I knew I wanted to get you on for this specific episode. Um, so I, I'd like to think that ever since we announced this, you've just been waiting in your house being like, oh boy, oh boy, I hope Mitch messages me to talk about <laughs> Freddy's dead. I hope that's what you've been doing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's hear your history with Freddy's dead. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember if I actually told the full story on the previous episode or not. So if I did, uh, sorry, but I'm going to repeat it here. You got to, but yeah, um, this was the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie I saw, and uh, one of the first horror movies I ever saw. Like, I'd known of Freddy, obviously, in the realm, because at the time, obviously, he's a pop culture icon. I was in, like, kindergarten at the time. I think it was 1992. And this had just come out, come out on home video, like, for rent. And uh, it was me, my sister, my younger sister, and a couple of my cousins. We were staying over at my aunt's house for, like a, like, a fall sleepover. And uh, she let us go rent a movie. 
And so we went to the family video that was on the corner of uh, Taylor and Clarence in that uh, shopping center there. Yes. And uh, on the top shelf was Freddie's dead. And uh, my aunt was pretty young at the time, and she didn't care what we rented. So uh, my my two older cousins had seen it before. So they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. We've seen it. Uh, so she let us rent Freddy's Dead. And I had known of Freddy before that, too, because there was another video store over on Warman Road. Uh, I can't remember what what chain it was, whether it was like a jumbo video or something. But the, on the outside of the video store, they had like giant paintings of like famous movie icons. And there was like the Terminator, there was Robocop, yeah. and there was Freddy. And it yeah. was like terrifying. And they also had one of those like gi- giant pianos in the store, like from Big, that you could walk yes. on. <laughs> I totally forgot about that place. They, uh, yeah, I think it was a jumbo video because I think we had one on Eighth Street as well. Yeah, and that's where I rented Child's Play Two for the first time. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we take home Freddy's Dead and uh, stoked to watch it. And you know, it's dark out because it's the fall, and it just terrified me as a kid. And uh, we'll get to Carlos's kill, but that was that was the scene specifically that completely traumatized and destroyed me. And uh, in- including Witch Freddy, too, flying by the John Doe's window at the beginning. I had to sleep with my blinds turned up for, like, ten years after that because I didn't want to look out my window when I was going to bed. Had you seen Wizard of Oz at that point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this that is scary. No, this was way scarier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a guy who haunts your dreams with the knives for fingers when yeah, you're, true. like, five years old. But, yeah, the Carlos's kill just destroyed me because i've had lots of ear trauma as a kid like earaches and like even now like if i fly with any sort of sinus congestion i'm guaranteed to rupture my eardrum and it's like the worst pain in the entire world so it just that scene specifically haunts me but yeah this because of that i was terrified of horror movies until i was 12 so like for seven years i was like absolutely scared of horror movies until i rented decided to finally you know Fast up to my fears and rent something, which was the original Night of Living Dead. That was what got me back in. But uh, Freddy for years just terrified me. All because of this movie. Absolutely. Cool. And so this was your guys' first time seeing this, eh? Yep. Sure was. And I think I, I had seen this one before. I think I had watched one, two, three, and then this. I think is the way that I watch it because how you watch these movies as a kid was whatever stock your video store had in at the time. And they very rarely had five or four, which is very strange since those are like weaker installments. So that just goes to show maybe people are renting and keeping it. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I I watched this movie and this is like, I would, I would cite this one in my top five, like most influential movie posters of yeah. like the the VHS covers that scared the living shit out of me as a kid. Like this is right up right next up there with uh like The Gate 2 and Fright Night and movies like that. Like there's there's just something about the cover of Freddy's Dead. Well, I guess it's just Freddy and he's reaching out and it's yeah. terrifying. And I think the other thing that makes this one um for kids especially seem more tantalizing way and like why I rented because it's touted as, you know, Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. Like he's yeah. he's not going to come back after this, right? Yeah, and then like, comes back three years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this was supposed to be the final time they were going to finally just get rid of him once and for all. And this time they're going to do it in style. They're going to do it in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I'm going to. At this point, yeah. Exactly. And so uh, 
Yeah, I guess we'll we'll continue what we were doing with the other ones. Let's talk about uh, hear from Boozy and then Kyle, and then I'll share my thoughts, and then we'll open up this conversation. <coughs> Boozy, Freddie's dead. I have so many notes, so I might interject on other people's later on. I, I out of all the movies we watched, I had the most notes for this one. Um, halfway <laughs> oh, through, God. I was asking if Freddie is even in this movie. The, 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 like he's barely in this movie up until the end. I, I just like it felt like a shitty version of Detroit Rock City. It was just them driving around being boring people. <laughs> I think, I, honestly, I think this one is is a lot more interesting than, like, 4 and 5. Like, even though, yes, it is definitely the most tame of all of the, the Nightmare on Elm Streets, uh, as well as, you know, all of that stuff. I think kind of what they're doing with this, and this one takes place in the future, in, like, 1999, quote-unquote. Yeah. You know, we're... So ambitious. (laughs) Where, you know, these mass suicides, and people are scared to sleep, and it's, like, this weird dystopian kind of turn. It's bizarro, like, but it's... Yeah, it's, it's kind of a mess, and I believe that is also another fact that they completely changed the scripts like through production like pre-production like i think they threw out what they were originally going to shoot and then uh like michael deluca um quickly took over and like rewrote the script like last minute uh actually peter jackson wrote a draft of this yeah uh, that i would have liked to see but i even like from what i've heard of his draft it sounds fucking insane as well <laughs> yeah kids aren't scared of freddy and they're just going into his dream during like slumber parties for for kicks yeah, they're like going to they're they're trying to sleep so they can beat up on old Freddy. Like he's yeah. he's deteriorated and like shitty now. And so ki- <laughs> kids are like they, yeah, yeah. And like so And there's like a dream cop and like like yeah. he's the crazy dude on the street that you like go and stand in his yard at night and shit. Yeah. Like Yeah. He and want, yeah, he's a guy that they taunt. The, I wanna see the dream cop. That sounds sick. <laughs> uh Mitch, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. This is how I felt just watching this one. G- granted I haven't watched um the next ones to come but this movie felt like uh this series's version of like halloween resurrection i really did not like this movie what okay so <laughs> all right and now i'm just gonna hop in here because i have notoriously been saying for this entire podcast and since like it's been it, this is it has been three or four years since i've watched freddy's dead and i've always fucking hated this movie except for when i was a kid i it did scare me when i was a kid but then once I was able to like revisit the franchise and look at it from like a semi-critical standpoint or from like, you know, knowing even the slightest thing about film, uh, you you understand that this isn't, it's not a top-notch quality movie. It's just, it's a goofy, ridiculous slasher movie. And it's very much should be the final installment of the franchise. Yeah. I had so much fun watching this the other night and it jumped up significantly in my list. And I, that, but only because... Like, it could have been, we could have gotten so much worse than this. Like, it just sucks that it feels like this should have been the 11th installment, and it's yeah. the 6th. And that's that's the main, that's the real issue, is that this feels like this should have happened way, way, way later in the game. But if you're going to get rid of him, like, he's already, he's Freddy's not scary in the Dream Child. He's not scary at all. So if you're going to, if you're going to get rid of him, and people are already laughing at him, and the series has become kind of a joke at this point... I think that we could have. I I would take this over another Dream Child. I like this more than the Dream Child. I, I like Dream. Child I also agree there. Yeah, I like Dream Child more than this. This movie felt like such a step down, even from Dream Child. It's definitely it's a it's a step it down because it's wise, not scary. Yes. Yeah, 
It's yeah. not scary, but it's that's that's kind of what the charm is about it is that it, it, it they're takes... playing with what the the series has become, and it's kind of in a way, as you said, like it's lampooning itself at this point. Yeah, it starts off like the movie legitimately feels like American Pie at the beginning, like the the way that the the cre- the credits come in. It's like this punk music, and then you're what it feels like National Lampoons, um, I which I know is an American pie. punk music, but. Yeah, no, exactly. Not real <laughs> punk music. But that's like what like, I said too in like Nightmare Four. Dolls songs in this movie. It's, yeah, yeah. The Goo Goo Dolls oh, are everywhere. You cannot escape the dolls. <laughs> you know what? Bob I love Thomas Takeover. I love yeah, Dizzy Up the Girl when I was a kid. <laughs> Actually, the Goo, but, the Goo Goo Dolls used to be kind of like a metal band or like glam rock, they, like they, okay, punk they, metal band. They were technically. We're not talking about this. They were tech. Shut the fuck up, Mitch. Shut up. Shut up. No more Google. That's why. That's why this sound came out on Metal Blade Records too. So <laughs> did it actually? Yes. I yeah. didn't even know that. Oh my wow. god. There you go. Yeah, like Shout this movie, Blade. man. I just. I feel like this movie is so fucking insane. And like the the main problem with it is that people don't really die in it. Was was just what I can like. There's only like, yeah. yeah, There's like maybe I think there's two or three kills in total. And Carlos, yeah, the same amount as uh, five. Yeah, there's three in each of those. Yeah, but in Carlos's death, you definitely feel, and it's a wicked death. I, it's such an amazing death, and that that's a prime example. We've been talking about since the beginning that uh, some of the best Freddy stuff is when he's capitalizing on people's phobias, and what better phobia than something to do with your ears? Like that's. It's perfect. Like it w- makes me think like they really missed out on doing a, a dentist uh, Freddy kill, something to yeah. do with your teeth. Like there could have been sure. something really cool there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the, my one of my, one of my main takeaways from this movie is just how fucking ridiculous it is, and how Freddy like they don't even try to make Freddy scary. But like I said, like what Tyler said, it was still scary for us as kids. But looking back on it now, I think this is such a fun party movie, and it's like this would be a really good drunken cinema movie. This would be a good movie to get drunk to with friends or to watch in a group setting because it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And that's part of its charm. And uh, like the whole power glove scene with Breck and Meyer, like that's just it's so fucking stupid and cringy. And like the Freddie being like, I beat my high score. Like, (laughs) it's 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 so far gone at this point that there's nothing you can do but laugh at it. And I think what I'm looking I'm looking at Kyle and Boozy right now and I'm seeing me five years ago. That's what I was like five years ago. And like, honestly, on the more you repeat, the more you rewatch the series, I, that, that, I, I could be speaking for you guys. But for myself, I feel like you learn to take it less and less seriously once you get to this point. And it starts to be it started to become more enjoyable for me. And uh, I, I, I love the whole like Freddy is uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. I'll get you my pretty. Like, what, what are what the fuck are we doing at this well, point? Well, the whole the whole scene with John Doe at the beginning, where he like falls out of the plane into yeah the the house, you know the the Wizard of Oz. I love oh that gosh. house. It's so good. Yeah, it, like, like also just think about that for a second. Imagine that's such a good nightmare. Imagine waking up and your house is falling from the sky. And like the <laughs> thing that I like actually that this one also does kind of differently too is some of the horror elements in this one take place during the daytime. Whereas yes. everything else is in this like nighttime scary thing, so that also brings this this kind of sinister element that's missing from the other stuff too. Is you know daytime you you know Freddy yeah. can get you now too. It does it does, however, make it a little less scary when they do that. But at the same time, from the very beginning, they show you that they're not out for scares in this one. Yeah, 
I really don't think they're out for scares. And I think that there's a lot of really cool things that they do um, with Fred, like with Freddie in this movie. But it is, I think at, at some at a certain point in this movie, Freddie just becomes front and center. And it this is truly Bugs Bunny, Freddie. Uh, he's actually taking oh. scenes directly out of Looney Tunes. In yeah. in this movie, there was so much like that new Freddy Krueger yeah. in this, and uh, those are the things I like about it. My main thing with this movie, my main little gripe is, fuck our kids, Savage and Springwood. Imagine being roasted <laughs> for being the son of a hundred maniacs. <laughs> Do you remember that scene where those kids are yeah. taunting? I'm like, man, I remember when I was in like grade three, kids made fun of me for my parents getting a divorce. And I thought that was bad, but it would be way worse to be like, son of a hundred maniacs, son of a hundred man. Like, it wasn't even catchy either. Like, they really didn't know. that one. <laughs> yeah, real, also, real original you know, guys. When I'm watching A Nightmare on Elm Street, like this is the first movie in the series that really disappointed me. When I'm watching A Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't want to have a driving montage. And I also that fucking scene with the the map where they ask him to check the map. You're like, oh my! Are you? God. I thought you. That's oh, and then, and then so his cheap, response so... is the best. He's just like, "Fuck the map." <laughs> yeah, and just moves on with it. Just like it didn't matter. Oh, dude! I thought I see. I don't know how to read Boozy at all. 165 episodes, <laughs> no clue. Because I thought you were gonna love this. I thought you were gonna love that. That who opens up the map, you're fucked. Like that's no, no. I don't know. I think it's super fun. Kyle, you've been awful quiet here. You know, I don't even know what to fucking say, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like to be honest, like it's like at this point, it just feels like a mess. Like it's not it's not that I don't find some of these things fun. Mitch, you're saying like as if I can't have fun with these movies, and I do have fun Sorry, with them. I, I don't mean to do that. But it's like, this is the sixth movie. Like, this, like when we, I mean, maybe it's a unique viewing experience because I'm watching a lot of these for the first time very close together rather than maybe revisiting five or six, like, you know, in a drunken cinema environment or something like that. Absolutely. I think that's very fair, um, you know, judgment to make. I think I probably would enjoy this movie a lot if I was wasted yeah. with my friends. And this one that definitely, means, like, Mitch and I have the nostalgia with this one, which yeah. also, like, it, we can see it is it is a mess as a movie, yeah. but we also well, have a little bit of a colored lens watching We were one. also prepared for it. We were I, definitely I, I, prepared for it. I guess the it. way that I feel that it's a mess is that it's, like, to, it's tonally a mess. Like, it doesn't really decide if it wants to be solely goofy or if it wants to, like, spend 45 minutes for me to care about these characters that I don't care about. Oh, I, I completely disagree. Like I, 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 I like the characters in this one. I, man, I think no. And I, 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 I think by far. The I, moment you put Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold in the movie, it is a complete joke. They are not taking this so seriously tiring. at all. Like they're not taking it seriously. See, I kind of like that stuff. Like I, I actually liked the because to me, right off the bat, when I saw the Wizard of Oz, like I was like, okay, shit's about to get batshit insane. Like, okay, fair enough, let's go with this. But then I really feel like. Sure, there are a couple things where it's goofy and fun, but I feel like they're pretty seldom, to be honest. Like there was few things on par with that Wizard of Oz thing that made me kind of like laugh or find any kind of entertainment out of it. I found it to be really, really tonally all over the place. Like half the time, I just wanted to be like an episode of The Twilight Zone. Like it, I, I see what you're saying. Like, which they like, reference could, at the beginning with the airplane too. Yep. Yeah. And they I also get- kind of touch on that in Dream Master as well. Like, that's something that's kind of played with a little bit as well. I would agree. And I, I guess I just feel like it just feels so far removed, not necessarily in, like, how I was describing um, Dream Child with, like, what I consider to be what 
Nightmare is about, but it just feels removed in general. Like a 10 year jump. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it feels super contrived to the point where like, man, if I didn't care about the last one, how the hell am I going to care about this one? Like, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's my biggest problem is like, I've noticed that at this point, like there's aspects of it that I find enjoyable and cool. Like, and I can take home uh, from the viewing experience, like I actually really enjoyed um, seeing uh, England on screen more. Like I thought that was cool. Like him mm-hmm. out of the out of the makeup, kind of just giving a a different Kruger um, performance. That was kind of cool. And some of the lore bits actually like make enough sense. Sure, like I don't have a problem with that. It, it, it's just the whole. I think it's the sum of all the parts. Honestly, you just kind of find a little bit. Like forgettable. I found this probably to be the most forgettable one out of the series, personally. No way. Yeah. Five that, that, is the most forgettable. I don't know, man. At least five. I like, think this one, this one, like I feel the fact, like watching this one again, uh, having not seen it in a couple of years, I see more of the story elements in this one are definitely more ramshackle, and I I feel that this one really suffered in the editing stage. I think they really decided to, you know. I think originally Rachel Talley, when they rewrote that script, uh, was really focusing more on the kids' backstories and this stuff. And when the producers intervened, they're like, "No, there's not enough Freddy or whatever." I think they really cut down on that stuff because um, it definitely feels like stuff is cut, especially character development and some characters. Like one of the characters' moms kind of shows up, and it feels like you should have had a scene with her earlier on. Kind of totally thing. Yeah. It feels like like yeah. it does kind of just feel neutered in a lot of places like i feel like this movie would premiere on showcase at 4 p.m on a sunday like really just middle of the day like no one fucking cares about this thing like i'm sorry like i, I don't know like it it's like supposed to be edgy with like the cool guy like i made a pipe bomb boy and like what a power <laughs> glove is supposed to be cool in 1999 hey like, those were that was cutting edge technology you fuck <laughs> Not even 1991 was the power glove cutting edge technology. <laughs> like, man, you're telling you're telling me you didn't like watching Breckenmeyer of Rat Race getting killed with a power glove. Well, I, did I love enjoy, that. I liked watching Breckenmeyer of Herbie Fully Loaded getting killed with a the power glove. Yes, I I did enjoy that. That was pretty cool. His ponytail but, rules. I don't know. Like it's honestly, I feel actually fairly similar all in all with this film to the last film where I don't think I hated it. There are good parts about it, but it's just very forgettable for me, honestly. And I, I think there's things that you can really enjoy from this movie. And sure. If you're yeah. going to do, a, if you're going to do a marathon, is, go ahead. This is one of the ones I feel actually benefits from rewatching though. Like definitely on first viewing, this one is a mess, but I find the more I watch this one, the more I get out of it versus like dream master or dream child. Well, where a lot of that stuff is very surface. And I, I completely second that because I, I can't reiterate enough how much I really did not like this movie. This was my least favorite by far for a long time. And like, I know I'm making it sound like I just fucking love this movie now, but I, I don't. I just like it for what it is. And I think it's a ton of fun. And it, it could have, I think, looking back on it now, 30 years later, there's so much worse we could have gotten. I, I'm, I'm okay with this iteration. And also, like, Courtney and I, like, she had never seen it before, so I watched it with my girlfriend, and she fucking loved this movie. Like, she was having so much fun with it. We were laughing our asses off, and that's... What, what more do you want from a movie? Like, you should have Courtney, fun I, while I you're watching. I thought I could trust Courtney. I thought Courtney was the last <laughs> real one. 
Did, did anyone notice that like they kind of ran out of reasons for people not being able to wake up? Like the one they were like, this guy's <laughs> yeah, way I know too stoned mean. to be woken up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like about it. And I like yeah. that they actually like we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Like there's a lot of like really positive things to say in the next episode that we're gonna be doing. But like Freddy vs. Jason, uh, vs. Jason does that really well. And some set designer or set painter on this one was a huge Sepultura fan because there's a Sepultura <laughs> painted on the wall twice in two different scenes. Yeah, I that's that. true. I noticed that. I saw that. I saw that. That's so funny. Oh, man. Someone was yeah. there to make a fucking statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, basically, my, my I, I personally th- feel like as someone, this, this has to be, this would probably be realistically my fourth or fifth time in my lifetime watching this movie. Whereas the other ones, that, that may seem like a lot to some people. But when you were talking about a Nightmare on, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the franchise, when I've been watching this franchise since I was nine years old, I've seen the other ones like significantly more. And uh, yeah. I can just basically reiterate what Tyler said that. This time rewatching it, I had a I had a way different experience going in knowing what it is. And I think that if you can just accept it for what it is, there's some fun there's some fun things in this movie. But you're always gonna be wondering what could have what you could have gotten out of Nightmare on Elm Street if they would have like put in a quarter of the effort that they put in for Dream Warriors or the original or New Nightmare. Well apparently the original script for this one, they had, you know, Jacob the kid returning as you know like a 15 year old but they were also bringing back like the kids from dream warriors like kincaid and joey and them were supposed to be in this one even though they're dead right like after yeah i want a whole kincaid i love kincaid i want a whole kincaid series (laughs) um fuck it it's not like kruger you pussy (laughs) (laughs) i guess the more you guys talk about like re-watching this I i could actually maybe see myself enjoying it more only for the fact that um like it is so removed from the other films. Like yeah. watching this basically right after five, like it just felt like like immediately a mess, basically. Like not that I really like go to watch like later nightmare movies for the story. Like that if that's what you're going for, you're not gonna have fun. Like that's not necessarily what I'm going for, but I need at least a little bit of continuity or like cohesion. Yeah, this movie is so jarring <clears throat> compared to five. And, and I think that's it's purposeful, I that's guess. That's actually a testament that's to fine, the series. But... Um, is the fact that I find that the ones that the installments in this franchise that people actually have the most problem with on their first viewing, I find are actually the ones that are the most enjoyable on later viewings, like case in part, part, part two as well. Yeah, true. And, uh, also I don't think I, I could be wrong cause I was very young when new nightmare came out. I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but I don't, th- I, c- I could be wrong, but I don't know if new nightmare was as well received, uh, when it first came out. Cause I, it, it is a very different take on what, the no. story is um I but think it now did, it's it did better critically upon. than this one because this definitely, one was like yeah bomb definitely the yeah but you you got to give them credit for at least always trying something a little bit new that's why i the reason i would give freddy's dad the edge over the dream child is that like you guys said the dream child feels like a direct continuation of the dream master whereas yeah. freddy's dad feels very much like its very own thing and uh when you have what are we we're talking about eight different nine different uh movies with uh freddy krueger in it you you guys will remember when we you'll remember exactly which scenes came from freddy's dead when we are looking back on this at at the very end of it when we're ranking everything how we feel about the whole franchise you'll be like oh yeah that was in freddy's dead you won't you won't like things could get really muddy with uh the dream child and the dream master you could pretty much meld those movies together and they're one thing i don't i don't really disagree with you on that but 
I guess, I guess that's not like, necessarily a good thing. <laughs> exactly. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I, I think like maybe even the ending of this is kind of what really like solidified my opinion on it is because like, this is, this is the end of Freddy. This is Freddy dying. And he dies in my opinion, in a pretty anticlimactic way. Like, it's I terrible. feel like he could have died. Yeah. I feel like it's he really died. Cool in 3D. Yeah. I was going to say, you don't have your 3d <laughs> glasses though, Kyle. Well, I actually have. I actually put my pair on from my copy of Spy Kids 3D, but it didn't nice. do anything. <laughs> it's like, I, like how can you? How can you? Um, how can you basically? If you've killed them off in such more eventful ways, and he even references it, and then he dies by just getting stabbed, and then like, okay, sure, I guess I'm cool with the fact that his daughter just accepts. Oh, now he's dead. I've decided. Like I don't know, man. <laughs> That's all. And when he actually good. dies, it looks like. You know, just like a tech demo from that Dreamcast game, Seaman is like coming out like three different ways. I don't know, man. It's 1991, Kyle. You got to get over it. I guess I'm just trying to get under it, and like it's not working. (laughs) All right. Well, I don't know if you do. You guys have anything else you want to say about Freddy's Dead? Because uh, I feel like I pretty much covered my thoughts on it. You guys have anything else? Let's let's uh, talk about them here. (laughs) <laughs> no one Freddy's Everyone. dead man Freddy's dead Freddy's gone I guess like what I just said is kind of like what I want to end on basically like I feel like the film is uh, enjoyable in a lot of moments but the way it ends off leaves kind of a sour taste in my mouth to be honest yeah. because even with the stuff they try to set up in the film it's interesting enough like Freddy having a child sure why not but that seems to be a recurring theme with all of these late, like lesser sequels is the ideas aren't bad but they're not executed well they, I think yeah. I think it's unfortunately another example of that. And I think just killing Freddy, like a finale, which obviously we already talked about, like there's new nightmare. It's not the finale. This being a finale is really just weak. And why in 1991 are they even trying to showcase 3D, like blue and red 3D? That's fucking dumb. Like, man, that was a big thing, though. That wasn't even just them doing that. Like, even before this, we had uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D, which is great. Yeah. And I'm actually probably going to do that this afternoon. I have the 3D version of that. <laughs> Love but that but movie. But in 1991, like, maybe I'm not a historian enough, but doesn't that seem kind of weird to you? Well, you weren't even it fucking born. Late, late. <laughs> I don't know. I was not born. That's a fact. Uh, before we go... None of you guys have mentioned from this movie fucking Freddy 101. That was awful. <laughs> oh, that scene is terrible. That's, that's yeah. kind of... I can't ask to be honest. I, I found that, that kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I need well, to say... I was watching. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. No, that that scene is terrible and it's stupid as shit. But you gotta, you gotta give him credit for when he is blowing up Carlos's head. When he starts, like, dry humping the chalkboard. I yeah. love that. Oh, <laughs> He's, like, I scratching... I love- I when he expands the chalkboard is really awesome to you. Yeah, it's oh, so cool. It's like pure Scooby-Doo stuff right there. Yeah. It is. I also want to give props to Carlos's death, though. I know it's already been brought up, but that was by far the best part of this film. It was literally terrifying and got me good. That's for sure. Yeah, he was fucked. That's for sure. Because oh. I think he was the one who opened up that new... that yeah. uh, The map? The map, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, this was tons of fun. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the next installments. I guess it sounds like you guys like the Dream Child. The more I think about it, like Dream Child was kind of sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I remember when I had the idea to start a horror podcast with my friends. <laughs> I got a and quick they... question uh, yeah. related to Freddy's. Have any of you guys seen any of the Freddy's Nightmares? Yes, I, I, I have. I watched, I, a little, I watched a couple of clips uh, just on YouTube while uh, kind of 
doing research for this, but I haven't seen too much of it. They're terrible. They're it's terrible. Awful. Yeah, it's they're so bad. <laughs> it's so real, bad. Real. But okay, but to be honest though, like that kind of general tone yeah, is closest to Freddy's Dead. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly right. It's so close yeah. to this. And so I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. I could see how it could work for some people, but yeah. Yeah, no, Freddy's Dead is rough. But okay, all right. Well, this was tons of fun. Thank you so much, Tyler, for joining us again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having uh, me back. Yeah, this obviously great, we know Thanks you're, for coming on the show. Yeah, obviously we know you're going to be back many more times to come. As long as we're still doing this, you'll be on the show eventually. Awesome. Uh, um, and yeah, we will see you guys next time on the Terror Table. Take care.